It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Traitor. Oh no, my friend. This is a mistake, a terrible mistake. They've gone too far. This is madness. I thought you were the leader here, Dooku. This had nothing to do with me, I assure you. I will petition immediately to have you set free. Well, I hope it doesn't take too long. I have work to do. May I ask why a Jedi Knight is all the way out here on Geonosis? I've been tracking a bounty hunter named Jango Fett. Do you know him? There are no bounty hunters here that I am aware of. The Geonosians don't trust them. Well, who can blame them? But he is here, I can assure you. It's a great pity that our paths have never crossed before, Obi-Wan. Qui-Gon always spoke very highly of you. I wish he were still alive. I could use his help right now. Qui-Gon Jinn would never join you. Don't be so sure, my young Jedi. You forget that he was once my apprentice, just as you were once his. He knew all about the corruption in the Senate, but he would never have gone along with it if he had learned the truth as I have. The truth? The truth. What if I told you that the Republic was now under the control of the Dark Lord of the Sith? No, that's not possible. The Jedi would be aware of it. The dark side of the Force has clouded their vision, my friend. Hundreds of Senators are now under the influence of a Sith Lord called Darth Sidious. I don't believe you. The Viceroy of the Trade Federation was once in league with this Darth Sidious. But he was betrayed ten years ago by the Dark Lord. He came to me for help. He told me everything. You must join me, Obi-Wan. And together, we will destroy the Sith. I will never join you, Dooku. to secure your release. Masters and Padawans to episode 119 of Full of Sith. I am the Mike Pilot. With me, my co-host, Brian Young. We have a special guest host tonight. It's Holly Frey. Hey, Holly. Welcome back to the show. Hi. I, I don't want to be a pedantic pain in the tuchus, but it's actually Fry. Oh. I you asked, and Tim Zahn. Should I, know, I ask right? Tim Zahn about that? It's my bad. I apologize. No, well, it's a weird <laughs> spelling, so it really doesn't bother me at all, but uh, my beloved might get slightly ticked if i don't try to fix it of when course people mispronounce our last name of course people mispr- mispronounce my name all the time 
pilot. Yeah. Um, but Holly, you, you, you guys would all recognize her, and I mean guys in the most general neutral way I can, would recognize her from <laughs> uh, uh, the Stuff You Missed in History podcast, which is like the best podcast. Well, I don't know about that. You're very sweet. But yes, that is one of the things I do an awful lot of. I really just like listening to it a lot. Huzzah! <laughs> Huzzah! We were talking before you got on the phone, Brian, about the Star Wars trading app. And me, a lot of people contact me and they go, hey, you have a lot of reds and blues and whites that I need. Can I trade you? And I'm like, yeah, just send me a Vader. I want a Jar Jar Binks or I want a Greedo for Holly. And so I have them all stocked up for you guys to come and get. So you know, sweet. I got uh, right when the game was starting, I got Holly because of her love of Greedo. I got her one of those Greedo bounty cards. Yeah. And I had no idea that was going to become one of the most precious cards in the game. <laughs> And you know mine is locked down. That's like gold to me. I don't nobody's coming for that one. So it's it's been some weeks since this has been going on and the app Brian is still going pretty strong. There's been some great cards that have come out here late. We were talking again before you were on about just how uh Holly you said we've seen a lot of these images before but there are some gems that we haven't seen. Yeah. I mean, I just, I, I'm so delighted when they pop up. I've really enjoyed the McCory ones they've been doing. I mean, yeah. we've seen those images, but it's still just very nice. Uh, and I love that they did the Christopher Lee one on the day that he passed. That was really nice. Yeah. Well, that and that's very cool. That's kind of what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about Christopher Lee, um, which is a pretty broad topic. Sure. But right? Christopher Lee passed away. And, and I know that, uh, Everybody seemed really bummed out about it. It was like the world was sort of taken over. They're like reminded how great Christopher Lee was. And he was pretty great. He was. And I think part of why people, I mean, he lived a very long and full life. Like saying he had a full life is a woeful understatement. But I think part of it is that um, he has been so prolific and so busy right up until the end that I think you kind of start to think he's never going to leave. Like he's going to be with us forever. And so it's a little bit of a punch in the gut that he's not. Yeah. I remember yeah. Brian, you said something along the lines that you thought that he was just going to cheat death, death forever. I thought he was going to stab death in the back. <laughs> um, but no, like it, it's, it's fitting too, that like um, we, we talk about such a historical figure and not just like in his, place in film history but like history in general and we've got like a history expert here not that i expect holly to have been like oh i researched all of this history but like there's so many interesting facts about the guy yeah i mean one uh let's not be crazy i'm not a history expert i'm just a history fan <laughs> no you're an expert no i'm not because when you say that about people then people will walk up to me and ask me questions about things that i don't know and then they're like you're not an expert and i'm like i could have told you that okay so you're uh, a history well, expert compared to me and brian okay oh, i guess i'll t i don't know brian's got some well, serious knowledge so well the thing is is like every history expert it's like star wars experts right like people specialize in things like you could talk to me about um the invasions of attila the hun all day and i'm not going to have anything to add to that conversation but if you start talking about like world war ii or the american revolution or presidents, presidents you know, assassinations i'm going to have something to add there and possibly seem mildly smart um star wars is the same thing where people are like all i know about is the comics or all i care about is the movies you know we all specialize in things um 
and I think sports is probably the same way. Nobody, re- nobody, nobody uh, memorizes every sports fact. They pick a team, right? That's how that works. Well, there's some people that know. Like we're collecting Star Wars cards, they collect baseball, football, hockey cards, and they have all the stats on all their favorite players and going yeah. back. Yeah, I mean, so everybody has something that they're super interested in that they like. I like a lot about history. I like Holly's podcast. I like a lot of sports stuff. I like a lot of Star Wars stuff. It's a bunch of bunch of little things. But she made an interesting point. So we do a Star Wars podcast, and then I'll go somewhere, and somebody will say, Mike does a Star Wars podcast, and they go, are you an expert? And I'm like, no, I just like talking about Star Wars. Well, who, name the head, um, <laughs> name the head Wookiee, or name the head... And yeah, but that's that's Tarful, though. Yeah, it you, is. You and it, that. It, was, it was actually Chief Chirpa for the, uh, the little guys, the Ewoks, the question that yeah. was asked. I just couldn't think of the word Ewok. How much of an expert on Star Wars I am, but you see the point I'm making. It's like people they they automatically challenge you. You're not an expert. Well, well, okay. Here's the thing: you're more knowledgeable about history than I think most people are, and history's pretty vast. I don't know if you've noticed, Holly, but like it's, it's been around. Human experience. <laughs> yeah, it's been around for a while. Well, that's the thing, right? So I know about any of the topics that like I have. Um, researched and written outlines for our show about, but I have vast pockets of just dead space where I don't know anything. For example, I could not talk your head off about Attila the Hun. I know minimal things in that arena, but I could tell you so much about Victorian underwear. It's not even funny. Oh, I know. I've listened to some of those episodes. (laughs) Some of the best things ever put down on tape. So, so starting with, with Christopher Lee though, I mean, here's a guy who played Count Dooku and he's, He's got some history to him, right? Like, um, oh yeah. And so, as a character, you feel like Count Dooku's been there for a long time and like inhabiting that world. Sure, but uh, he's been inhabiting our world too. Like, I was not—I don't know if you guys knew this—and I'm sure I've told Holly before because I've been trying to convince her to do a Christopher Lee episode. The and way I've they, always, and I keep Lugosi. telling you, I keep telling Brian, we don't do people that are still alive. So now, well, now, now you go. Now we uh, but but he was he was at seventeen years old. He was the he was in attendance at the last public guillotine execution in France. Yeah, yeah, and Whoa. I mean that's just the tip of the iceberg of like sort of his place, particularly in European history. I mean, yeah. he you know was. I think most people know at this point he was a spy. Um, that he was in the British Special Forces. Uh, he was in two different divisions, and I, I don't remember the names of each of them, but uh, like he was in one, and then I believe Churchill created a more specialized one, and he went into that one. Um, he was a classically trained singer, too. He yeah, was- if, if you've ever seen clips of him singing opera, it is mind-blowing. He has the most beautiful, sonorous voice. I love it. Yeah. Do you know, I was I, I kind of like the Beatles and Paul McCartney and stuff. Did you know he was on the cover of Band on the Run? I did know that. Yeah, it's crazy. He was descended directly from uh, Emperor Charlemagne. I did yeah. not know that. Um, No, it's just like, my favorite, like... The thing that kind of got me into Christopher Lee, like I knew Christopher Lee was around and like Attack of the Clones and uh, Fellowship of the Ring kind of hit around the same time. So it was like he was having this resurgence. And I remember watching uh, an interview with him where somebody was asking him about Count Dooku or like what part he was playing in Star Wars. And uh, he was like, well, you know, 
I've been hired here to keep this secret. And I learned in World War II that, that people die if you don't keep those secrets. So uh, I'm really not going to tell you anything about this. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like, here's this guy who, who there were so many great stories like that where it was just like, well, I'm really good at keeping secrets, which is why I was in the Special Forces. Well, what'd you do in the Special Forces? Well, uh, I'm not going to tell you. Can't tell you. You know. Yeah, he, I told you I have to never, kill you. I want so badly them to just release all the files of what it is he did because there's so many great stories that I've heard where like he'll bring in little bits of knowledge. Like uh, one of my favorites, and it's probably most people have heard this, but and I know Holly, it might be annoying to you because you're not a Lord of the Rings person, but uh, uh, when Saruman gets stabbed in the back, Peter Jackson was directing him. And he's like, okay, so I want you to give this kind of scream. This. You get stabbed in the back, and he kind of pulls Peter Jackson aside. He's like, actually, people, when they, when they get stabbed in the back, they can't make any sound. Like It's actually more of like a, an inward gasp, and then they can't <laughs> release any more air. And Peter Jackson's like, why do you know this? And he's like, I, um, I can't tell you. you know, I, I can't tell you. I've seen some things. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I do love that story. And don't paint it like I hate Lord of the Rings. I'm just, it's just not my magical connection point. Yeah. Let me. So you see a lot of trivia online, and you see a lot of people telling stories since Christopher Lee died. And one of the ones that came up that I did not know that I read about on in a newspaper this week that he was actually offered the role for Grand Moff Tarkin in A New Hope. Did anybody know that? Uh, that would not be surprising to me. But that I mean that brings him to and um, Peter Cushing was a really good friend. He turned it down. Peter Cushing gets it. Yeah. Um, I really love the Peter Cushing. Like, I wish they would have shared more or any screen time in Star Wars. Um, Peter Cushing and, and Christopher Lee. And I'm so glad that in the Tarkin book, James Lucinu gave them a scene that felt like an old Hammer Horror movie scene where they're like love verbally it. sparring. Um, and and actually, like, you can watch both of them together in um, Hammer Horror's Horror of Dracula and a whole bunch of other movies. Like, he was the Watson to peter cushing's homes mm -hmm. and uh no i just i really I, I christopher lee's just one of those he's got such a magnetic personality and such a rich voice that i just want to watch him and hear him do anything yes yeah do you remember how um george carlin would say about how the this generation of people are kind of wusses i'm gonna say it in the nicest way possible because this is <laughs> <laughs> this is a nice show. And, he, you know, that this generation isn't very tough. Well, Christopher Lee comes from a generation where men were men and they did things because they needed to be done and they didn't need any kind of accolades for doing it. They did it for the greater good and they're tough and they were stabbing people in the back and they were just doing, you know, winning wars and saving lives. And it's just it's true. You don't see those things anymore. I, I don't see 50 years from now when Tom Cruise passes away, well, probably 150 years from now, but uh, I can't see people going, oh, remember the time Tom Cruise, you know, went and had dinner with Saddam Hussein and poisoned him. I mean, those things don't happen anymore. Um, <laughs> I, I'm sure they do. Just no one's talked about them and gone into acting afterwards. So we know about them. Right. Uh, um, so I want to ask you guys, though. So we all remember we're all part of the generation who got to see Attack of the Clones for the first time as it came out in the theater. And uh, I think Attack of the Clones. Um, is some of Christopher Lee's best work. I think all of Christopher Lee's best work is a lot of his best work. Um, 
It's like well, your favorite uh, Star Wars that's movie. That's a big statement to make. He's done some amazing things. Yes, yeah. he has. Well, but but I, I like I've never watched a movie and been like, wow, Christopher Lee really sucked that up. <laughs> like even even in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory with Tim Burton, was I like, wow, that was the one scene I thought was worth watching. <laughs> Have you ever? Tim Burton reminded me of it. Have you ever listened to the director's commentary for Sleepy Hollow? I haven't, but I, I I think I should now. I watched it. I rewatched that movie again, and I realized how many Sith Lords there are in that movie. There are a bunch, but one of the things that I always love about commentaries are like they're a whole separate like film school. Like if you listen to some directors, you really walk away from like a masterclass in filmmaking. But Tim yeah. Burton in that particular commentary, he literally spends every second Christopher Lee is on film going, I can't believe I got him to be in my movie. This is so amazing. You guys, that's Christopher Lee. <laughs> it's so charming. Um, but I'm wondering, okay, so so my question, getting getting back to my question, like what was your first reaction to Count Dooku? Did you know that he was going to be a Sith Lord? Um, when when you went into the movie, did you know he was going to be a good guy or a bad guy? Or like, what were your first expectations when they when you knew Christopher Lee was going to be in that movie and when you watched it the first time? There wasn't very many movies where Christopher Lee was the hero. I mean, he just has that big and imposing, you know, attitude and just he's a large man. And I don't, I didn't think that he wouldn't be the Sith Lord. I wasn't overly surprised, and I I, I thought they casted it well. I'm a spoily McSpoilerson, so I knew. <laughs> like, I didn't have any big, like, oh, what? He's what? I thought he was going to be noble and delightful. No, he's evil. Like, I knew. Um, and like Mike said, there's a certain uh, aura about him, particularly, you know, in the work he's done in more modern pieces. Like, I think everybody expects, oh, he's somehow the bad guy. Yeah. I mean, when you play Dracula, there's not too many times you go into play, you know, Van Helsing, too. Wow. Um, the, the, for me, like, yes, it was spoiled for me. Cause I went to the, the toy store, like when they released the midnight batch of toys. And I honestly, up until that point, just a few weeks before the movie had no idea that count Dooku. And, and even then I had no idea how to pronounce it. It was like, is it Doku? Is it, is it Duka? Like, I don't get this. Like, how does that, how do you pronounce that? Um, so I had no idea what he was playing and I go into the toy store and there is our, all of his action figures with bright red lightsabers and yeah. they all say Darth Tyrannus at the bottom and I'm like son of a yeah. um, but when I heard that he passed away um, last week I started watching Attack of the Clones again and I tried to like I was sitting at my desk uh, I think I might have even been chatting with you at some point during this this Holly um, I was watching it and I get to his first scene in the movie and I realized that he's like, he's the third man, right? I don't know how familiar you guys are with the movie, the third man. Yeah. Um, but he's the character that everyone is referencing as being this linchpin and like Mace Windu's like actually sort of like admiring of him at the beginning. And, you know, you see the bad guys are like, how is this plot coming together with him involved? And, and you don't quite know what to make of them. I mean, if you can step back and watch the movie as though you're seeing it for the first time and don't know anything about these characters. Um, Dooku's first scene with Obi-Wan is incredibly charming because, A, they've built up who he might be. You know, especially Mace Windu's line about how, like, he used to be a Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um, he wouldn't assassinate anybody. That's not his character. And you see him there 
talking to Obi-Wan. His first scene with Obi-Wan is so good, especially if you don't know that he's a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Um, that that I would just implore everybody to try to try to watch it with those eyes next time they go revisit Attack of the Clones. You know, that first line that he has where he's like, and, and he's the only person, like, you want to trust him because he's the only person not lying. Like, everything <laughs> he says is true. Like, that's what's so interesting about the Sith in the prequels. Like, they will tell you the truth every time, and no one ever believes them. You know? Well, and I think one of the uh, one of the things that's always struck me about him in that scene you're talking about is that, as you said, here is a man who is tall stature. He's got an unmistakable voice. He was the master, I think, because he had all of those sort of large attributes of some incredibly subtle things. Like he could just flick his eyes one way and you felt chills. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. I mean, so there's a lot of scenes that I dig with Dooku. Um, His fight against Yoda is one of them. But for me, in all of the episodes that Dooku was in would be episode three when in the famous scene, do it, you know, the way he looks at the emperor with that, that look like, Hey, I, you know, you're my master and I was helping you out. Now you're just getting rid of me. I'm like worth nothing. Just that quick shot of him looking at the, at center of Palpatine. I mean, for me, every time I go back to that movie, that, that it's, he doesn't even say anything. It's just the expression on his face. It's so powerful to me. Yeah. He, he brought, I mean, if you look at how much screen time Dooku has compared to other characters in Star Wars, it's not a whole lot, but he makes every single one of them count. Yeah, for sure. Um, and here's a story, actually, I want to relate. Um, I don't think I got it recorded, um, but I interviewed Matthew Wood at Dragon Con a couple of years ago. And Matthew Wood, he does the voice of Grievous, and he does a lot of the recording. Mm-hmm. And he, w- he was the one who was given... Um, the task of going to London to have Christopher Lee record all of Dooku's dialogue for the Clone Wars movie because, like, the studio was like, well, we have to have Christopher Lee do that, even though they'd already had Corey Burton do it. Mm-hmm. And he didn't want to, like, offend Christopher Lee by saying, you know, like, hey, we already had this other guy do it, and he's going to be doing it on the whole show, but we need you to do this little bit. And uh, he said that he kept recording lines with Dooku or with with Christopher Lee and he'd play for him the lines that Corey Burton had done. And they got like halfway through the recording and he's just like, uh, you know, the the gentleman you've got to to do my voice is actually quite good. Are you sure you even need me? <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's that. That's, that's a that's great a funny story. story. Yeah. I and, and can you imagine like just being like Matthew Wood and his part? We, we should get. Try to, I'll try to talk Matthew Wood. Talk to Matthew Wood and see if maybe we can get him to come on the show or That'd something and, and tell some stories like that because it's way better in first person. But like, how awkward that would be! Like, yikes! <laughs> yeah, it's super awkward. I I kind of love though that he's he was uh, you know certainly a man with a great many credentials and I don't think anybody could doubt his skill and he had sort of a, a humble nature about him in many ways. Uh, did you ever hear the story that he used to tell in interviews? I saw Christopher Lee do this two different in two different interviews, and I was so struck by it because um, it exhibited sort of, you know, he kind of put on display some of his bad habits, and it, it was so charming. But it's him talking about when he was working on, I forget which of the, the Lord of the Rings trilogy movies, and he had had this diva moment. 
Did you do you know what I'm talking about? No, no, I haven't. I haven't heard. So this. apparently, he, you know, he had the long Saruman robes on, and he was doing some scene, and he was saying, you know, I had to turn, and I think he had to walk up a step or something, and he he said we had to do it so many times, and I I kept having problems with my costume, and I finally just had a tantrum, and I told Peter Jackson the costume is too long, and everything's wrong, and I can't possibly do this, and he said Peter Jackson didn't even come out from behind the camera; he just quietly said. Well, you did it this morning. And he's like, well, that put me in my place. <laughs> I'm like, what actor is going to be like that open about, man, I was a total jerk. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, that's the thing. Like everyone who talked to him and, and um, like everyone, like that he was a gentleman was something that like just about everybody said. And um, I mean, here's so I'll read George Lucas's statement that we got. Um, about Christopher Lee's passing. And he said, Christopher was a great British actor of the old school, a true link to cinema's past and a real gentleman. We will miss him. And then um, Kathleen Kennedy says much the same thing. She sent a, a, her reaction to it. And she said, Christopher brought a grace and gravitas to the many roles he's played over a rich and expansive career. His performance as Count Dooku in episodes two and three remains a highlight of the Star Wars saga. And we, will, we have been so privileged and honored to count him among our family. Christopher was a gentle soul and deeply adored by fans, and we will miss him dearly. And, you know, you can go to just about anybody who said anything remarking on his passing. And the gentleness of him and his gentlemanly nature is something that they all... Like, I really wish I would have had a chance to meet him at some point. And, and it goes back to, so he's a gentleman, he's a gentle guy, he's very nice, and but he still is this big, looming figure, and that's part of the reason why he got some of the roles he did. At, at one point, I don't know if it's the case anymore, but at one point, I remember years ago reading in a Guinness book, World Records book, that he was, at 6'5", he was the world's tallest leading man. Hmm. Like, I think there, I think maybe The Rock is taller than that now, and now that he has out movies, he's... Anyway, but that was a very interesting thing to me, too. And and it always seems like the big guys are the really, really nice ones. And to see, getting back to with Peter Jackson, his diva moment, it would be, be kind of cool to see that, though. You know? <laughs> no, right? Like, I would love to see him just throw a fit. <laughs> here's some more, here's some more, like, who knows what this guy, like, many of... I don't know. We're we're kind of jumping all around, but like Sorry. the history nerd in me is getting me. Well, no, this is my fault. I keep jumping us around. Um, the history nerd in me is uh, uh, speaking of gentlemen. So his special unit. Oh, I love in, this. I know where in, you're going, and I love it. In um, so Winston Churchill had this like elite special operations executive, and all their missions are still classified. But they were, quote, conducting espionage, sabotage, and reconnaissance in occupied Europe against the Axis powers. And they called themselves the Ministry of Ungentlemanly Warfare. <laughs> and this is like Christopher Lee, just like this guy who he was doing ungentlemanly things on behalf of Winston Churchill and things we still have no idea what they are. Like, how bad must they have been if yeah. Christopher Lee. If Christopher Lee was referring to himself as ungentlemanly and the British have still not declassified it. Well, didn't he say at one point that like he realized at one point during his spy career that he had seen so many people die right in front of him that he was growing a bit hardened to it. And it, the part of him that was not hardened was very troubled by this. Mm -hmm. So you can only uh, imagine. 
So, yeah, actually, I've got his exact quote here. He said, I've seen many men die right in front of me, so many, in fact, that I've become almost hardened to it. Having seen the worst that human beings can do to each other, the results of torture, mutilation, and seeing someone blown to pieces by a bomb, you develop a kind of shell, but you had to. You had to. Otherwise, we would never have won. Yeah, that's a that's a time that we're not familiar with, Brian. I don't, no, I know. Yeah, and, and so so this is all before his movie career, too, right? So yeah. like, <laughs> um, this is before he even started. Like after World War II, he he just became like a Nazi hunter. Like that was his job in the army. Like he was he was in charge of hunting down Nazis after the war, and then he decides at the age of twenty five, like before he's even like into this. Like, he's only 25 doing all this ungentlemanly stuff, and then he gets into acting. I don't know. I was an idiot at 25. I can't imagine the the resume he had by 25, and right. I don't even know if I knew how to wipe my butt right by 25. <laughs> and he was, like, he was a master of, like, multiple languages. Yeah, he already, speaks fluent like, French. French and Italian, I think, yeah. were the two that he was into then, which would have been perfect to drop him behind enemy lines. Yeah. Man, like, and, and so, like, you can tell, like, he brings all this stuff to his roles, though, right? So, Dooku, Dooku really does feel like he has a history, and, and Luke, Lucas weaves him into that history. Like, can you imagine the, the Christopher Lee as a young man who's hunting Nazis actually as Yoda's Padawan? Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad that got a giggle from Holly. <laughs> But again, it goes back to that scene I was talking about. You could just see it and see things in his eyes. I mean, he's actors take a lot on their past. They take a lot from their past into their acting, and I can't can't even imagine how his experiences crafted him for acting. Well, that's why we're not never going to have another Christopher Lee. You know, yeah. we'll have moments. I, this is Christ Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee are two of the reasons or the. Two, two of the biggest reasons I'm so excited for Max von Sydow, Christopher Lee and Peter Cushing are like two of the reasons I'm so excited for him because all the Star Wars uh, trilogies seem to have that touchstone to like that, that classic cinema actor we don't really see as much now. Yeah. And I mean, with Christopher Lee's passing, like all the rest of the old Hammer Horror classics are like dead, really. Um. But uh, Max von Sydow is about as close as you can get to that. I mean, this was the guy who faced off against death in the seventh seal. Oh, uh. Yeah. And here, I have no idea who's going to be in The Force Awakens, but I'm just excited to see what that is. He's got that same kind of imposing voice that Christopher Lee did, but also that like every man kind of quality that Peter Cushing can have. And it's like he's the best of those two wrapped up into one. And we were sitting in the theater last night, went to go see Jurassic World. And, you know, I still have not seen the Star Wars trailer in the movie theaters, and I go to the movies like once a week. Do you know I still have not seen it? What? Anyway, yeah, I still have not seen it. I, every time I see other trailers a million times, I saw Terminator like 1,700 times, but that's beside the point. We're sitting there and we're watching it, and me and Anya were discussing uh, some of the actors in The Force Awakens and how we expect it to be and how we're going to feel when it's in December and we're sitting down to see Star Wars for the first time. And I, I don't know where I'm really going with this, but it's kind of exciting every week or every other week when we go to the movies, how it's just a week closer to seeing Star Wars. So I, w I want to ask, you guys are both film nerds of some order or another. Mm -hmm. um, 
what if if you're going if if someone who's listening to this is like I want to get more into Christopher Lee, I want to know who he is more. What movie of his would you point them out to? Or a couple of movies. That's hard, Brian. I would say any of the Hammer ones, any of them. Um and now I'm blanking out on the film that everybody says is like his best work ever. Oh, ding dang it. Why'd you put me on the spot? <laughs> totally on the spot. Um, well, you can think of it, and Mike will come up with an answer, and I've got a few answers. I've got a couple answers. Star Wars would certainly be one of them. Lord of the Rings, again, uh, would be another one, because even when he's not being bad, and even in The Hobbit, he's not necessarily bad yet, but you know there's something there. You know there's something. Are you thinking Wicker Man, Holly? Wicker Man is excellent. But no, there's one. Um, oh, man, I could smack myself. There's one with an Arabic name in it. My brain won't do. It refuses. What happens in it? Things. Exciting things. And stuff. It's been a Chris- while since I've Christopher seen it. Christopher Lee's so probably a badass in I it. I don't want to blurt anything out and be woefully wrong because it's been a good decade plus since I've seen it. Um, Wicker Man is really spectacular, though. So I would, I would suggest, like, he was in... Um, Can I continue was, with my last one yes, that I wanted yes, to point go, out? Go. Um that would be Hugo. I thought he was great in Hugo. He was in Hugo. Yeah. I'm trying to remember him in Hugo. <laughs> Go back and watch Hugo. Which I love that movie. Yeah. But again, oof. It was it was one of the he he was one of the I mean Golden Compass he was in uh, kind of the same thing like whenever he was in something he just I loved it. Yeah, he was uh he was definitely in, in that. In Hugo he was um Mansoor um Labisse, if that helps you. No, not at all. But that's okay. I do remember that he's in there, and I just can't place what he did. Um, but that's cool. He got to work with Martin Scorsese. Mm-hmm. Um, so one thing, I, I think a lot of people like the James Bond movies, and he was oh, the coolest yeah. villain in one of the worst James Bond movies. Um, <laughs> and, and so like, this is actually really interesting. He was supposed to be Dr. No. Ian Fleming, who created James Bond, was his cousin and promised him to be like the first Bond villain. But the the uh, Cubby Broccoli and and the rest of the family there had already cast the part, so Christopher Lee like missed out on it. So he didn't get to be a Bond villain through like the entire Connery era. And they cast him as the man with the golden gun, Francisco Scaramanga, and that movie's silly. And Roger Moore is probably my least favorite Bond, but he is terrifying. Like, and, and it's got such a great concept. I think if they were going to remake any James Bond movie, it should be that one. Because the concept is there's this hitman who's out there working, and he never misses a kill. And James Bond is out on his little mission, and he finds out that this flawless hitman that they don't even know anything about has him as a target. And like that's it. That's the setup. And it it's Christopher Lee. Hmm. I I like how you may have inadvertently pointed out a running pattern in his life, which is when people very intimately connected to a project promise him a thing and he doesn't get it. Because didn't he meet Tolkien in a pub at one point? Yeah, and Tolkien's like, "You're perfect for Gandalf." Yeah, you have my blessing to play it. If there's ever a movie, and he wrote to Peter Jackson when he found out those films were being made, and was like, "Hey, I'm your dude. I love this. I read it every year." Tolkien said I could play this part, and it's like, <laughs> "Oh, you've aged out of it a little bit." <laughs> so, 
Um, so well, and more than that too. Like he actually, when he heard that they were making the trilogy, he took a role on a terrible TV series as a wizard, just so he could send pictures of himself as a wizard to whoever <laughs> was making it. That's awesome. And he supposedly he spoke like like the black speech. Like he he could he was like an expert on that. Like he could give Stephen Colbert a run for his money. Wow. Oh yeah. Hey, so IGN did an article about his 10 best movies. Now, um, again, everybody's different. Everybody says something different. But the top 10 for him was Star Wars, Deathline, uh, Curse of Frankenstein, Hound of the Baskervilles, Ooh. Mummy, uh, The Man with the Golden Gun, uh, The Devil Rides Out, Lord of the Rings, Dracula, and then, of course, The Wicker Man. His Dracula is really good. He Tallest doesn't person. say or do much in that first Dracula movie. Yeah, he was the um, tallest person to ever play Dracula, too. I mean, when you're Christopher Lee, that's not hard. I mean, unless, you know, Peter Mayhew was going to play Dracula. (laughs) Well, Lugosi was not short. Wasn't he 6'1"? Yeah, no, he wasn't short. I could look it up. Bella Lugosi, I know he was over six feet. But, uh, no, his Dracula, actually, I showed uh, uh, my kids last... October, we kind of went through like September, October. I went through and put them through the paces of like the horror movies they needed to watch because I thought they were at that age where like horror movies would either get them or lose them because you have to suspend a lot of disbelief. And otherwise, like if you watch them too late, they're just not scary anymore. And Scout loved, 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 loved the Hammer Horror Dracula that Christopher Lee was in, that first one. Mm hmm. And she watched it. She must have watched it like three times. She just like fell in love with that movie. Um, and it just, it was good. Holly, yes. this is why you're the history expert. Bella Lugosi was 6'1". You nailed Thank it. Thank you. Thank you. I actually remembered a thing. She nailed it. Well, it's and, because we did a two-part episode on him because uh, I'm a Lugosi fangirl. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, you guys, everyone needs to listen to the two-parter on Bella Lugosi. They were so fascinating. Lugosi's almost as interesting a character as Christopher Lee. That's for sure. Uh, and I will prevent myself with every shred of self-control I have from taking us down a rabbit hole, because I would talk about him for a very long time as well. I, always, it was, I knew that he was taller. I always was kind of shocked that Boris Karloff wasn't over six foot. Yeah. Like you imagine, he's six five, six six, but no, he was. That was the other thing I wanted to bring up, Brian. Um, Christopher Lee and David Prowse both played Frankenstein. Um, it's killing me every time we bring up Lugosi or Karloff. Not to start quoting Ed Wood. <laughs> I know, me too. Because <laughs> it's not appropriate for this forum. But are you saying you like Ed Wood? I love Ed Wood. I think that's Tim Burton's best movie. Holly. I absolutely love it, and I'm very close to agreement with Brian on that one. This is the first time that I've been talking to other people that I wasn't the only person that liked Edwood. Oh my god, I love it. Everybody, I, oh, I hate that movie. It was horrible. Did you watch it more than what? once? Because it's amazing. Oh my god, Bill Murray as Bunny Breckenridge is like <laughs> my heaven. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, people, sit down and watch Edwood again, because you're wrong. <laughs> no, it's Everyone true. is like, entitled to their opinion, but I think it is a brilliant film. Yeah, I remember my sister rented it back in the day when you could rent video cassettes. I know that 
some of the people listening to the show have no idea what we're talking about renting video cassettes, but she rented Ed Wood. This is why this is why we have a reputation as being the show for older fans. <laughs> I know, but I'm going to go with my story anyway. So she rented it, and I liked it so much that I kept it, and I had it in my room, and I would watch it, and then she got a bill for $179 because the tape never went back. And I still have that blockbuster video version of Ed Wood. <laughs> um. But but no, like it's interesting though. Like Lugosi and Christopher Lee, like in order to play Dracula, you just have to have an incredibly interesting life, except for maybe, uh, um, Gary uh, Oldman. Oldman. Gary Oldman. Yeah, he has a fairly interesting life as well. But it's not like Christopher Lee or Bella Lugosi no. interesting. It's like I played Sid Vicious interesting. What? I played Sirius well, Black interesting. I I do really like. Uh, Sid and Nancy, but uh, <laughs> um, he, you know, he's an interesting character in his own way. Certainly not in an I fought in crazy wars, I did amazing things that are secret forever way, but he's got his own story. Um, it's interesting. I, as I've been trying to think back on it, I can think probably the first movie I saw Christopher Lee in was probably those Disney movies from the 80s, like the Witch Mountain movies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, those are weird. Those are weird <laughs> movies. It's an they understatement. Are. Mine is definitely the Mummy. That's the first thing I saw him in. Yeah, I think and first... I was young, and I remember just being sort of agog and like, oh, "What is this magical creature?" And that was like his first. That was like his first monster movie, right? His first Hammer movie, maybe. I'm not confident in my knowledge on that one, but I think and... if it's not his first, it's one of the first. And uh, so, according to this, he's six foot five, mm-hmm. or was. Man, you'd need to be that tall to fill that voice. <laughs> yeah, it would be uh, not quite so impressive if you were like five seven. Not that there's anything wrong with being five seven, but it just wouldn't play the same. No, I think. I mean, there's something about his voice. Like, what's so. He 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 did get to say a lot of Star Wars, but when you think of Christopher Lee in Star Wars and in that voice, like what's the line in your head that you uh, that you come back to? The one that just resonates. Oh, you gotta stop putting me on the spot, man. I I, I was actually looking up movies, and it, Frankenstein. He did two years before the Mummy. Gotcha. Kurtz of Frankenstein. So it was it was you're right, one of the first. Um, Brian, I, I can't quote anything. But you brought it up earlier in the show, the the scene with Obi-Wan, he's, he's, and Dooku's walking around him and tell, trying to convince him to join him. That whole speech that he puts on is like one of those speeches, like you watch it in a movie and like that kind of thing. You never really saw it before. The speech itself, him trying to convince him is so overwhelmingly powerful that uh, how could how could Obi-Wan not want to get together with him? He was, you know, he was the apprentice. He was that apprentice. And so. While I can't quote, quote it, I would think that that for me that would be it. I really love like his pontificating in, like when he's standing over everyone. Like I love that scene that you're talking about, but I love the scene also where he's standing over everyone at the arena and all the Jedi are rounded up, and uh, uh, you know he tells Mace Windu how great they did, and he's like, you know, you're worthy of recognition in the the archives of the Jedi order and how he's just sort of lording it over them that they, they fought valiantly, but uh, he still won because he's, 
He's Christopher Lee. You know what the most upsetting thing for Christopher Lee in the Star Wars movies for, for me, Brian? That he basically flew away in a hot dog on a bun. That ship was not cool enough. His solar enough. sailor was so cool. Oh, it wasn't cool enough for Christopher Lee. It was just, I, it was a hot dog it on a bun. It was elegant. Uh, I concur. I, well, and I'm, you know. Really, with who? Uh, with Brian. Yes. Um, and I'm really into, like, the current light sail project, the solar sailor that uh, the Planetary Society is working on. So it kind of falls right in line with that nerdery for me. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just was like, oh, this is like something that came out of, like, Metropolis. It's so beautiful. I love the sound of it, too. Like, the sounds of it, like, expanding its sails and leaving off with, I, I don't know, I think Attack of the Clones has some of the best music in all of Star Wars. And that stuff accompanying Christopher Lee, or uh, Count Dooku, as he takes off in the Solar Sailor and then lands into Coruscant are some of my favorite music cues in in the whole saga. Mm. It's good stuff. Yeah, some strong words, but I believe you. I believe that you feel that. Yeah, I like his hot dog ship heaps. <laughs> yeah, just I just never felt it. I just I don't know. I you know hearing you say that surprises me. You like Ed Wood? Why not the rest of it? Uh, <laughs> why don't you like all the same things Brian likes? What's I, wrong with you? I am such a terrible person. <laughs> I'm just going to stop. No, and so talking about Dooku as a character, I think one of the things that's most interesting to me about Dooku and that Christopher Lee really plays it really well is that for me through the movies, Darth Vader was supposed to be a balance between Dooku and Maul Mm -hmm. where Maul's just all vicious and powerful and physical. And Dooku doesn't have as much of that. He is an elegant fighter and watching him lightsaber duel is like the funnest thing in the world because they gave him such an elegant fencing style. Um, which only I think Christopher Lee could pull off. Uh, well, and which does make sense since he did have a pretty um, um, impressive fencing background. Who else? Who else could they have gotten that that had fenced on film with Errol Flynn? Right. Yeah. Um, he actually injured his hand in the filming of that movie in the fencing yeah. scenes. And um, but but Darth Vader was like, but but. Dooku was intellectual, right? He was the master political manipulator. He's cunning. And Vader needed to be the middle of those. He needed to be right between them, which made it... It's He was there to serve to illustrate how perfect an apprentice Vader was for what Palpatine needed. He was the best of what the political maneuvering and, like, hunting, you know, that... I mean, basically, Anakin Skywalker comes... turns into Darth Vader, who's like a dark version of Christopher Lee in real life, like hunting Jedi instead of Nazis. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and he's also got the physical aspects of Darth Maul. And I think that that's one of the things I really loved about Dooku, just as a character, that he served that contrast really well. So we saw how he uh, went up against Anakin, and he won once and he lost once. How do you think he that Count Dooku would have fared against, let's say, Darth Maul in a lightsaber fight? Well, we do have some of that. Remember, like Darth Maul got away. Like he, uh, ah. uh, Dooku and Maul fought in the Son of Dathomir comic. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, everyone does. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, well, okay. If we're talking canon wise, that's the only time they fought. But uh, I think Dooku would have probably taken Maul apart because Dooku was. I mean, Dooku was a chess player, right? And Dooku could have put the pieces together to take Maul out. I don't think Maul was more powerful than Dooku. Mm. What about you, Holly? What do you think? 
Um, well, now Brian's made me think of that great photo of Christopher Lee and Vincent Price playing chess, but, um, <laughs> uh, which I really love Vincent Price as well. So that's like a magical, even though they apparently were staging that for a photo shoot, they weren't actually playing at the time. Um, I think, uh, yeah, you know, Maul, so incredibly powerful, but not so much with the thinking. And I'm always going to favor a thinker, so mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Dooku as well. Okay. There's only one other thing about Chris, Christopher Lee that I wanted to bring up tonight. And at the college I work at, in the um, Acting and Music Center, it's a big, big fancy building. And right when you walk into the front of the building, there's this beautiful uh, picture of Christopher Lee. And, you know, every every time I walk by it, you know, I think of Christopher Lee in different movies and the different roles that he plays. And after I heard the news, walking by that again, now it's it's kind of like you said, Brian, it's there's certain people that you think are going to be around forever. And you think, you know, nothing's going to happen to them. And and uh, to walk by that, we, we did. We lost a very, very uh, strong, passionate wonderful actor and it's 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 upsetting i mean he did live a long life i know that but it's still sad yeah we haven't even talked about his heavy metal career (laughs) right (laughs) yeah no i mean i mean here's a guy he christopher lee was like the epitome of a gentleman and a hero he did presumably horribly ungentlemanly things during the war because we had to then he got into acting and he got to play frankenstein or Frankenstein's monster. He got to play the mummy. He got to play Dracula. He got to play a James Bond villain. He got to play the bad guy in the Lord of the Rings movies. He got to play a bad guy in Star Wars. And there was a hundred other things he got to do besides. I think he's still in the Guinness Book of World Records for most screen credits of any actor. And he was just incredible. He was incredible. And he got to do a lot of stuff that just most people won't even be able to get to to ever do get to do a fraction of yeah 278 movies according to the internet movie database that's crazy and he still has one that's going to come out doesn't he yeah it is uh angels in notting hill and extraordinary ties he's doing a voice in extraordinary ties and he's playing mr president in angels of notting hill that's crazy Mm -hmm. and he also did like he did a lot of voice work he did uh also did all the voice work for the uh lord of the ring games and hobbit games right yeah, and and like I said, I mean, he did the Clone Wars movie, so he he had three Star Wars movies to his credit. I don't know how many of the video games he did for Star Wars. I, I remember reading a while ago um, that he wasn't he was not like totally ill, but he wasn't feeling great. And when they were filming the last bit of was it what is it, The Hobbit or was it Lord of the Rings? Yeah, and they it actually, was The Hobbit. Yeah, and they flew to England to finish some of those scenes. Because so he didn't have to go all the way to New Zealand. Yeah, like he was saying, he couldn't. Uh, he couldn't put together like uh, like he couldn't fly. He was not well enough to do that. So obviously, you work around Christopher Lee's schedule. Absolutely. And uh, you know, you go to him, and with special effects the way they are today, you can barely tell that he wasn't on set with everyone else. And I mean, he looked it. He was showing his age, like in those Hobbit movies. Yeah. He was. It was. It was watching them. I think you get a sense, like, wow, his his time is running out. But you still wanted to believe he was immortal. I mean, he was. He was Christopher yeah. Lee. Damn it! It was Christopher Lee. Yeah. I was going to say I've actually seen two different people post since he passed that they do not believe that he is in fact dead. 
but that he has somehow been called back into active duty by the British government for some secret spy mission, which is a lovely way to think of it. (laughs) Well, and it's not entirely out of the question. It really is. If anybody could pull it off. That'd be Christopher Lee. Any final thoughts on the man, the amazing legend, Christopher Lee, Brian? Uh, No, I just think um, I would really love for people to check out some of his other work, whether that's the Hammer Horror films, that first Dracula movie is just a knockout. I know know, uh, Holly talked about The the Mummy and and Frankenstein. and uh or maybe the wicker man or yeah. that james bond picture wicker man is or, a really good movie or any of those movies like check out what he did when he wasn't being saruman or um count dooku count dooku i you know that's something i know alec Guinness was sort of re- regretful in his later years that the only thing anyone ever knew about him was star wars and that he'd actually get really excited when he heard that star wars would like show people like introduce people to the stuff he'd done before. And I think Christopher Lee's one of those actors where he'd done so much before. It would be a shame if all we remembered him for was star Wars. And, and his legend will live on Holly. Any final thoughts? Uh, no, if I remember the name of that movie, I'm trying to think of, I will send it to you. (laughs) Yeah. Let me know and I'll post it. Um, do you want to, I want to thank you for joining us on tonight. Um, Bobby won't be back for a little while. Amy is off this week too. And you are, you're just amazing to talk to. You're so much fun. Tell everybody where they can find your show. Uh, one, you're such a delight. What a sweet thing to say. I have such a fun time talking to you guys. I Thank do you. it all the time. Uh, they can find us at mistinhistory.com on Twitter at mistinhistory. And for the Star Wars angle, um, if you, they go to the House Tough Works YouTube channel right now. Every week we're publishing a new Star Wars video from the stuff we shot at Celebration. Awesome. So some of those are super duper fun. Uh yeah, those are where to find us. If you want to find me on Twitter, I'm at Surliest Girl. It's mostly pictures of my cats. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone loves pictures of cats. Yeah, it's true. I'm sure some people don't, and that's cool. But <laughs> but you'll get a lot of, particularly my fat cat, Mr. Burns. So, um, well, thank you, Holly. I really love uh, actually. T- it's it's actually a really odd experience being able to hear your voice and respond. <laughs> um, that's true. Yeah, because. Well, I listen to the show a lot and I'll try to talk back and it doesn't work. Well, in a few months too, Brian gets to talk back to us in person. Um, we're doing our first live show at New York super week, which runs alongside comic-con Sweet. Uh, and Brian is going to be our guest at our first live show. We're going to talk about his presidential assassination book, which if you haven't seen that yet, you need to, that was um, Ariana and Anya re- reading that as their nightly story. And um, looking through the book and reading it and then uh, illustrations by Brian's very talented young lady and uh, the rest of the artwork. I don't remember the other person who was doing the other, um, the other artwork. Aaron Kubinek was yeah. the other. Beautiful stuff. It's awesome. And that's going to be cool. I'll be up there that weekend, too. So I hope I run into both of you. Ooh, I yes. hope so, too. You should get tickets to the event now. Well, yeah. Where can I find that? Uh, I think you go if you go to NewYorkSuperWeek.com, they have them ready to rock and roll. Sweet. And Brian, can you get all those links together for me then? Verily. You're, you're the man. I love doing a show with Brian. Yeah. He's the man. All right. Well, cool. Well, Holly, um, we uh, look forward to the next time you come on the show and talk to us because, like you said, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. And um, if you want to get some of Brian's awesome books, you can go to brianyoungfiction.com and do things there. And Brian, I talked about this when I promoted your interview last week with Timothy Zahn talking about the character names. Um, the Brian's 
big shiny robot. He has a, an amazing crew of people, of human beings with big hearts out there. I mentioned it last week that they sent uh, my family a nice uh, gift basket and for the the loss of our great Dane. And Brian, I want to—I didn't get to talk to you since then. And I, I know I thanked Lucas and I thanked a couple other people. But I wanted to thank you personally, too. You assembled quite a... I don't even know the word. Quite a just plethora of amazing people. They're all wonderful. So thank it's, you. Uh, it's good to hear, but I will not tell them that because it would go straight to their head. <laughs> all right. Well, just keep it to yourself then. All right, Holly, we loved having you on, and we look forward to talking to you again. If you want to give us a call, call the voicemail line, 206-426-5592, or you can use the SpeedPipe app on the website, which is fullofsith.com. There you can find our contact information, like our Twitter, at fullofsith, at the mic, at swankmatron, at amy underscore geek, and at girl for Holly. And you can go to facebook.com slash fullofsith to see uh, pictures that we post and show notes and and all that good stuff and then of course if you want to email us holocron at full com is where you do it and uh, we always appreciate your voicemails and your emails and we love uh, sharing those and talking about them behind the scenes and the often conversations that we have on the show and we'll certainly get around to reading most of them as soon as we possibly can and of course if you haven't given us an iTunes review yet please do so we'd really appreciate that and so for Holly Fry and Brian Young and this uh, episode on Christopher Lee of Full of Sith, I am the Mike Pilot. May the Force be with you, always. If you'll not be needing me, I'll close down for a while. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.